0: Monday afternoon to you folks. It's about one o'clock on Monday, October the twenty is it first? We're gonna say it's the twenty first. It's been an interesting weekend for me. I was in Kentucky all day yesterday with my wife visiting my family visiting our parents, I guess now, but my parents. And so I didn't even get home until around eight. And then I watched the Titans game. Dark. Didn't know what had happened, wrote on that, had already written on Watchmen earlier in the day. And so it's been It's been a little bit hectic, so we're a little later at least in posting this, but it's still going to hit around the time that you're going to want it to hit. This is the Quick Six for this Monday, October twenty first, 2019. Jason Martin with you of the Big Six, editor-in-chief of the Big Six blog at 1045 zone.com slash Big Six blog, host of Squared Circle Radio, host also, of course, of the Jason Martin Show, heard nationally on Fox Sports Radio Sunday mornings from 3 to 6 a.m. Eastern Time here in Nashville, 2 to 5. You hear the first two hours live and then you hear the third from 6 a.m. to 7 a.m. after we take care of some other things. Uh, Just a little house cleaning here. Watchmen. Uh, I am going to be writing on it weekly. Thanks to HBO and Angela Tarantino in particular for providing me the first six episodes of the nine-episode season. She's going to Do what she's always done, which is make sure that I have this stuff in advance so that I can have pieces ready for you to read as soon as you watch the episodes. Uh, I was a big fan last night, and when I had seen it earlier in the weekend, I I was excited for other people to see it. It's going to be fun. Will Bowling actually suggested to me, and he's a really forward-thinking guy who I am looking forward to getting to work with uh, in greater capacities going forward. A really driven guy. I would say I see a lot of myself in him. I would say I see a lot of myself when I was in his spot. Uh, But they have found a position for him, and what a good decision by the zone to do that. He is a hardworking guy. He's a smart guy, talented guy. And so he suggested, hey, what about a Watchmen podcast? Look, I'm already doing a lot of podcasts and a lot of things, but this time of year in particular, I can do this. And so I think I will, starting maybe next week, when there's a little bit more than just the first episode to go on, also coming up this week, a Pop 6 on Back to the Future with Brad Willis. Uh, today, actually, is Back to the Future Day. We were going to do it, but neither one of us is feeling quite great today, so we're going to wait and do that tomorrow, so you'll get that. Uh, that may be av- actually available to you on Tuesday evening. And we're going to finish up the office, finally, with David Reed and Rep. Bryan. We're going to do that final season and do our talent draft, so that is still to come later on this week also. It's a wild uh, week for me. As I've got, I'll kick the coverage tomorrow and Wednesday. I'll be in with Clay Travis. And then on Thursday, I'll be hosting with Jeff Schwartz. Plus, of course, my show on Wednesday and Friday night. And the Tennessee Tailgate Show with Joey Kent on Saturday for the huge Tennessee-South Carolina game. And it's huge, folks. And I told you this last week. And let's just start right here. Instead of starting with the Titans, let's start with the Vols. And I'm just going to read this straight from Saturday down south. To be clear... This was not called a quarterback sneak, nor does it seem that Garantano audible because his left guard would not be pulling away if it was a quarterback sneak. The actual play call is G lead, a power scheme, which means the play side, the left guard would pull out and kick out the defensive end while the other lineman on the left side blocked down. The fullback would either clean up mess in the middle or lead on a linebacker. The way this is perfect is both of these linebackers here are inching toward the A-gap, which plays into this down-and-around scheme. If Garantano hands this ball off, it's an absolute walk into the end zone. And if you see that from the above shot, folks, you, you know exactly what this was. And at the point in time that this happened, you score right there. All of a sudden, you're still in a game that does not have Tua Tongo-Vailoa in it. But instead, Garantano, who I tweeted out from at j zone, as I was watching it Saturday night, he went rogue. He went full-on Sarah Palin and decided he was going to try and make a play and executed one of the worst quarterback sneaks we've ever seen. Didn't go low, went high, tried to extend the ball, ended up losing it into the arms of an Alabama defender who took it 100 yards for a touchdown, and then the game was, well, I mean, it may have been over anyway, but it certainly was over then. Finishes at 35-13. to 13. The quote that I read from you from Saturday Down South, well, it was truncated and it was fixed from Jordan Rogers, who had put this on Twitter to explain what was going on. Jeremy Pruitt has said what he said. Other teammates have said what they've said. But Garantano took a touchdown and turned it into a turnover. This would have been a one touchdown game or so with 721-ish remaining in the ballgame. Instead, this ended it. And then you saw the tirade on the sidelines. Tennessee showed up to play on Saturday, and I wasn't surprised. I told Joey Kent, I said, Is, and I asked him the question, I said, Is there something to be said for being able to go play free without pressure in Tuscaloosa? Because there's no pressure if you're Tennessee going to play Alabama, because if you get trucked, it's just doing what's expected anyway. Nobody's going to say, Oh, what a terrible performance by Tennessee. That's not going to happen you had nothing to lose here so you could kind of just go and pin your ears back and go for it and they kind of did the defense showed up made it tough they got to two a few times of course his ankle gave out and that's not good at all we'll discuss the ramifications of that here in just a second the offense ran the ball okay Tim Jordan did at least Tim Jordan appears to be the back on this team that is able to run in the SEC runs with more power Chandler I don't know, man. I think Chandler could be in a lot of other places in this country and be a not just a threat, but a a guy that was getting national recognition. But here, it's just not happening. I'm not saying it's a Jalen Hurd situation, because I don't think that it's exactly the same. But they don't seem to know exactly what to do with him, and he doesn't seem to have a grasp of where they want him to be enough. So at least there was Jordan running the ball. And there were a couple of receivers making plays as well. But you could see on that series that led to that disastrous fourth down, the the fumble play, I don't even – I mean, what you saw without any question there was a coaching staff that had zero faith in their quarterback's ability to throw the ball. That's kind of a big deal if your quarterback is not someone that they trust to pass. When Mauer's out there, they've passed a little bit more. When Garantano's out there, you saw the end of the first half against Mississippi State where they ran it about 700 times in a row. And then they let him throw, you know, he went 6-7 or seven in the second half, meaning Garantano. But here, they didn't trust him at all. They wanted the ball out of his hands. You heard Brian Greasy even say it. He goes, you clearly can tell Tennessee wants the ball out of Garantano's hands and not because he's throwing it but because he's handing it off. So they went so very basic. I'm talking pumpkin spice latte basic and just straight ran it into the teeth of Alabama's huge defensive line, and unsurprisingly, it didn't work. But on that fourth down, if you just go outside left, you are walking into the end zone, the same way Jordan Rodgers said it. But instead, Garantano went into business for himself, and look, maybe he thought he was going to make a huge play for his team, but instead he took his team out of the game. And then came Jeremy Pruitt yelling at him, who the bleep taught you how to sneak? What the bleep are you doing? And then he tugged on the face mask, which thankfully has not gotten more play because it didn't need to. There are easily ways that opportunists can take that gesture and go with it places it does not need to go. That was an old Southern football coach who was angry, who was trying to get it through the skull of the quarterback that he might've just cost them a chance to win a huge game on the road against the number one team in the country. But when you saw that, Didn't it feel like that was the end of Jarrett Garantano on this team? Like, Didn't it feel like even if Maurer's not out there, you've got to go to Shrout now? And I think maybe you already felt that way because you could not trust Garantano to throw the football anyway. This coming Saturday, at Neyland Stadium against South Carolina, a team that played Florida tough and beat Georgia the week before, This is the turning point game. I said this last week. If they win this, there's nothing on the remainder of their schedule they can't win. Missouri lost to Vanderbilt on Saturday. That was probably the toughest test they had left. But they got Missouri, they've got UAB, they've got Kentucky, they've got Vanderbilt. They could run that table. But if they lose to South Carolina, and especially if they do so in any kind of demoralizing fashion, if they play bad football, undisciplined football they could go two and two, they could go one and three, they could completely check out of this thing. So it's the difference between making a bowl and finishing strong with some momentum maybe you can carry into next season or being a dumpster fire in a joke. And I don't know what to say right now (coughs) is, excuse me, I don't know what to say anymore as to what's going to happen on Saturday. I I don't know, but I know that Tennessee is capable of winning that football game. But there are huge questions surrounding the quarterback position. And look, there are quarterback questions at Alabama as well. With Tua Tonga-Vailoa, whose high ankle sprain might keep him out a week, might keep him out two weeks. That's what Saban said. My guess is that he will not play again unless he absolutely has to, unless they fear they can't win without him, he will not play again until the game against LSU. And I wouldn't play him again until that either. It just doesn't make any sense. Last week, my top ten had Alabama at two. This week, my top ten has them at three. I'll get you my top ten here in a second. I think LSU's the best team in the country. Tua's got to be right because Mac Jones only completed one pass to a wide receiver in the remainder of that football game. And you've got three guys that are first-round picks and a fourth guy that's probably at least a third-round pick at worst. And I'm just talking about four wide receivers at Alabama. They have so many riches there. But Tua is what makes that thing go. And so he's got to be right. You look at Oklahoma, Jalen Hurts, I don't know that he's what it, what makes it go, but he's doing a great job. He's doing exactly what Lincoln Riley is asking him to do, and Riley has tweaked his scheme just enough to take advantage of what Jalen Hurts does. And when you add to that Alex Grinch, the defensive coordinator, and what he's doing for the Sooners defense, I mean, Oklahoma has the potential to win the national championship. They absolutely do. I have not said that before, because the defense has not been good in, in previous years. Even with Kyler Murray and Baker Mayfield there, those defenses were not equipped to go toe-to-toe in the college football playoff. This one might be. Now, what you do to West Virginia is not that impressive because West Virginia's defense is an atrocity and they lost a ton off that offense. But it's still certainly impressive what they're doing as a whole. Vanderbilt beats Missouri. Impressive win for Derek Mason. He's fired up on the sidelines. We all like Derek Mason. Derek Mason's still not a college football coach at this level, not a head coach, not at the SEC. He has recruiting disadvantages. It's hard for him to get people there. I still think he's a defensive coordinator. This win should not change how you feel about Derek Mason. One win should not save someone's job. I don't think so. Not after this long of seeing what we've seen. It's an impressive win. That's awesome. I hope they feel good about it. They also lost to UNLV the week before, a team that gave up 50-plus to Wyoming and have looked terrible, gave up over 400 yards rushing to Ole Miss the week before that. If they get on some stretch and they run the table for the rest of the season, okay. But I don't see anything in Derek Mason that tells me that things are demonstrably different. My top 10 last week in college football was Auburn at 10, Florida at 9, Penn State at 8, Notre Dame at 7, Wisconsin at 6, Clemson at 5, Ohio State at 4, Oklahoma at 3, Alabama at 2, and LSU at 1. I've got Oregon in the top 10 this week at number 10 with a big win over Washington. That's a one-loss team with Justin Herbert, Mario Cristobal doing a good job there. I thought that that win was impressive enough to put them in over Georgia because Georgia didn't play anybody, and they've come off that loss to South Carolina. I gave Oregon the nod there. Auburn I've got at nine. They're playing LSU on Saturday. That's going to be a great game. I don't think Auburn can score with LSU, especially on the road. That will be the difference there. Florida at eight, still just a one-loss team. Notre Dame was idle. Uh, I kept them at seven, but Penn State takes a jump in my list from eight to six. That's an undefeated team for James Franklin that beat Michigan. And here we go again. Michigan loses again, and Jim Harbaugh spends over 80 seconds to open his press conference going after the officiating in that game. Eventually, you can make all the excuses you want for whatever is going on. But at some point, you look up at the scoreboard and you realize you still lost that game regardless. So there's no reason to sit here and cry over the officiating and try to excuse away the fact that you're just not that great. You're a pretty good football team, but Phil Steele had you in the college football playoff, and now you've got a quarterback because you've got Shea Patterson. And Jim Harbaugh is just not an elite head football coach. He is a good coach. I'm not saying that Michigan could go out and find somebody better, but I do think they could go find somebody that could do for them just about what Jim Harbaugh has done for them. And if his name wasn't Harbaugh, I don't think he would have had the leash that he does, and the seat would be even warmer. But at the end of this year, if I'm Michigan, I'm moving on. I don't know that they will, but I would. Because the expectations at this point for Michigan, the fan expectations are out of control. I mean, if you took the name Harbaugh out and you put the name Brady Hoke or the name Lloyd Carr, and they had the exact same numbers that Jim Harbaugh has in his time at Michigan, I don't think either one of those two two guys has a job. There might be effigies being held up, being burned outside of you know the quad or the grounds or whatever in Ann Arbor by this point. But Harbaugh's getting a little bit more. I don't know how the fans feel about it, but this is yet another blemish on the record. Now, Michigan probably wasn't expected to win this game because Penn State was higher ranked. But Michigan... Sh- with Harvard, right? I mean, with what they're paying him, they should expect the world from him. And yet again, that's not happened. Also, knocked completely out of my top ten from a week ago, Wisconsin. Wisconsin lost to Lovey Smith's Illinois team, who was a sub-500 team. This is a total Wisconsin move, and I'm happy about it because I don't need to see Wisconsin. Maybe they still end up, and they probably do, in the championship game from their side because of these stupid divisions in the Big Ten. But Wisconsin is always a team that I don't care to see at that point in time potentially finding a way to get into the college football playoff. I don't need the Badgers there. They've got a great running back. It's a great program, don't get me wrong, but I don't see it on the level of a Alabama, a Clemson, those kind of programs, an Oklahoma, an LSU, an Ohio State. And so I'm actually glad they got beat because hopefully that's going to end the debate because there should be better one-loss teams than Wisconsin. And their brand of football i'm good quite frankly number one's lsu here's joe burrow again his heisman candidacy continues to strengthen what joe brady has done for him is nothing short of remarkable and he has answered the bell he is accurate he can throw it downfield he's poised he's tall he's doing everything you could possibly ask him to do and they bludgeoned mississippi state just controlled that game on the road in starkville from the outset even though it was kind of a slow start offensively in terms of putting points on the board, they moved the ball, wore them down, and then beat them to death in the second half. So pretty impressive. All things considered, for what I believe is still the number one team in the country, they're going to get a chance to prove me right or wrong against Alabama. And look, Auburn's not going to be any kind of an easy game either. Malzahn will have some wrinkles. I just don't think that Bo Nix is ready for this test. And it's not a stellar LSU defense. But if it gets down to a scoring fest, I'm going to take Joe Burrow and Joe Brady and those receivers and that offense. I mean, that LSU Auburn usually a lower scoring game, this one probably will not be. But I think that LSU could put up 40 on Auburn with no trouble. And we could be looking at a, you know, 42-35, 42-21 even maybe kind of game. Auburn can't let it get away from them because they're not going to be able to come back because LSU is going to keep scoring. It's going to either be a score fest or Alabama's going to get or pardon me, Auburn's going to get blown out of that. So the Tennessee performance, there were some good, there were a lot of positives to take from it. The Garantano thing is a mess. I don't know if you can put him back out there on the field anymore. And the the deal on the sideline, emotions were running high. I don't think that more needs to be read into that. If Garantano went into business for himself, which it looks like he did, and it does not work, then he's on the hook for that, and he may have cost his team a chance to still have, a, have an opportunity at least to win that game in the last seven minutes. All right, now to the NFL. Interesting things taking place in week seven. I did pretty good, actually, in terms of my prediction yesterday. If you're the Jason Martin Show, we spend the third hour going through everything, and we predict every game top to bottom. And just looking at everything that went down, I picked the Rams to get right against the Falcons in their putrid defense. I picked the Bills to beat the Dolphins. That one wasn't hard. I picked the Jags to beat the Bengals. I picked the Vikings to beat the Lions. I picked Green Bay to beat Oakland. I picked the Colts to beat the Texans. I picked Arizona to go to New York and beat the Giants, the 49ers over the Redskins. I picked the Titans to beat the Chargers. You heard that on Friday's show. Uh, I picked the Bears to beat the Saints uh, at home with Teddy Bridgewater. That didn't happen. Bridgewater looks okay. It wasn't like a great game, but that's a great defense, so it didn't matter. Plus, Latavius Murray running for 119 yards and two scores, and Michael Thomas being out there really helpful for Bridgewater was enough to get that win. Uh, I thought that the Seahawks would beat Baltimore. That's an impressive win. The Seahawks had won close games, but their talent was not a mirage. They're still 5-2, and two, which, I mean, that's a good win, if you're a 49ers fan as well, and maybe maybe a Rams fan. But that was about Lamar Jackson running for 116 yards and then making it tough on Russell Wilson with that Ravens defense and holding them at home in Seattle to just 16 points. And then the Cowboys, I picked them to get right against the Eagles, but I did not think they were going to get right to the tune of 37 to 10. Dak Prescott only had one touchdown throwing the football, but he also only had six incompletions. And Zeke finally got back over 100 yards. Cooper had over 100 yards. It was a very efficient performance, and the Eagles look bad. Their defense looks bad. Wentz, there's infighting again in that locker room. This was not a good day, I would suggest, for them. And now, let us speak about two things. I've already talked about Patrick Mahomes a little bit, but I want to talk more about it here. Chiefs, of course, beat the Broncos on Thursday night football, 30-6. to Mahomes is out for three weeks, give or take. But Robert Mays of the Ringer has posited, along with Therese Paler of Yahoo, that they should hold him out until week 12, him meaning Mahomes, because it's more likely that New England's going to go ahead and win this thing anyway, win this division anyway, or win the AFC and have the number one seed. And you look at the next few games – versus Packers. That's going to be a really tough game for Kansas City, but it is at home. It'll be a really good Sunday nighter coming up. And then versus the Vikings, they get them at home again, and then it's at Tennessee. He could come back and play in Nashville. But if you look at the schedule and you look at everything else, it still looks like Texans and or Colts could potentially get that number 2 shot if you do have it, if you have the opportunity. I mean, Andy Reid has said in the past couple of hours today, that Patrick Mahomes could maybe play, but it would be a stretch. So they're already talking about how he could come back. If you don't think that you're going to get the number one seed and you worry that you can't get the bye anyway, then maybe you do hold him to week 12. But because the Texans lost yesterday, I think you probably bring him back sooner. That would not have been the case. But if the Texans were looking at 5-2 and two right now, they would be looking better, it would appear, because they already have a head-to-head win over Kansas City. But then falling to 4-3 and three and losing to Indy, maybe that changes what you believe, because a first-round buy does mean enough to bring Mahomes back, as long as there's no risk. As long as he's ready to come back and you're not rushing him back, then probably don't have him nap. But when May said that, this was before the results of yesterday where Houston went up and lost to Indy 30-23 to in a day where Jacoby Brissett threw for four touchdowns, 326 yards. A really good day for him. And that's not unexpected to me because I like Jacoby Brissett. I liked him before he had this opportunity. And on a day where Marlon Mack really couldn't run the ball, Jacoby Brissett took care of what he needed to take care of. So we ran through all of the winners. Rams looked pretty good. Golf wasn't great. Gurley wasn't great. But man, the Falcons are bad. Dolphins are still the Dolphins. Bills get another win. They're five and one. They're gonna get a wild card. Their schedule's just too easy. Jaguars are three and four. Minshew wasn't anything spectacular. He's kind of average at this point. Last three games, he hasn't been what he was before. Kirk Cousins looks better. I still don't buy into it because I'm still not reading these games as the ones that he generally fails in. When I see him in prime time do this, then we can have a talk. 6-1 and Packers, okay. Aaron Rodgers throws for five touchdowns and just six incompletions in the game and 429 yards. I'm not going to say I was wrong about Matt LaFleur, but I am going to say that Aaron Rodgers not having Mike McCarthy around him is seeming to make him play a little bit freer and clearer. And maybe this is going to work, and maybe we're all going to have egg on our faces that did say anything about this hire right now when you're six and one there's not much i can say about the coaching being bad in green bay this was tremendous stuff it was a six touchdown performance if you add in a rushing touchdown for aaron Rodgers. one thing about the raiders josh jacobs is a stud 21 carries 124 yards he's going to be a great back in this league for a while if he can stay healthy and that was an excellent draft pick i liked it when it happened And I'm not surprised that his game has translated to the NFL at all. Not at all. And then, you know, you look at some of the other results. We could talk about them. But instead, let's keep this thing a little bit tighter than we have in weeks previous and just talk about Titans-Chargers. This was not a good day for Phillip Rivers. He threw for two touchdowns and over 300 yards, yes. But he was high. He was behind guys. Guys were having to make plays for him to get the job done. Austin Eckler, of course, had that one touchdown grab, the big one down the right sidelines. Derrick Henry didn't rush for 100 yards, but he did rush for 90 and a touchdown. But, of course, everybody wants to talk about Tannehill and what he was able to do. And what he was able to do is efficiently go into a game and win it in a way that we haven't seen Marcus be able to do as of late. Tannehill was 23 of 29 guys for 312, two touchdowns. Had one interception, and it was because he was hit as he threw. It wasn't like a bad pass. It was just an unfortunate play where he couldn't get it out of his hands before the trajectory of what he was trying to do with his arm was altered. Took a couple of sacks, but he had a 120.1 passer rating and a 55 QBR. Philip Rivers had a 78 QBR, but his rating was lower. Didn't throw an interception. That's probably the difference. But I didn't think Philip Rivers was that good yesterday. Derrick Henry, efficient day. 22 carries for 90 yards. But if you look at this, there were nine guys that had at least a target for Tennessee, and eight of them caught a pass. Delaney Walker was not one of the eight, but Corey Davis comes alive. Six catches, 80 yards. Jonu Smith, three for 64. A.J. Brown, who's going to be a star in this league, six catches, 64 yards. And a lot of it was done early. Before he was finding any chemistry with anybody else, AJ Brown was there for him. That's a great draft pick for John Robinson and this team. What I've seen, I have seen enough to say I think A.J. Brown's gonna be around for a while, and he is he 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 may end up being the best receiver on this team before all is said and done. Humphreys has four grabs, Ferkser has a catch, Tajay has two, Derrick Henry has one, Bayard actually has a catch from Brett Kern on a nice little wrinkle on a fake punt, and then there's Deion Lewis. So Tannehill was asked what he could do, and he said, there's weapons here. I've got to spread the ball around. And he was. He was very socialistic. He was very George Soros about his approach yesterday, making sure that a lot of guys had the football coming in their direction. This was a nice win, and it was a must win for Tennessee. Three and four, it wasn't a division win, but it was a conference win against a team that one would think would still be in the wild card chase. I think they may be done. That's not a good football team right now they are just battered and bruised and even with Melvin Gordon back the run defense yesterday for the Tennessee Titans held the Chargers to 21 carries for 39 yards no rush in the game longer than 6 and the goal line stand at the end i want to sit here and rail about the officiating and i want to go back and rail about the tennessee officiating in alabama on saturday but we all saw it. We all have eyes. We know officiating in college is at a really low level, and officiating in the NFL is at a terrible level. But these guys have got to stop playing. or Excuse me. Let me go back. Guys have got to stop blowing plays dead. This is costing teams games. It is costing teams drives. It is costing first downs. It is costing touchdowns. This was a mess. The replay got this right at the end. But there were two or three calls that were totally wrong in the last three minutes of this game. And then there were about 9 trillion penalties called on Saturday, including maybe the worst uh, unsportsmanlike or unnecessary roughness penalty I've ever seen called against Tennessee in that game. Just laughably bad. But officiating on Monday Night Football last week probably cost the Lions a win. This time, assuredly, The Titans could have lost. The fourth down spot was not good either. Vrabel said on Monday in the press conference, he said it earlier today, that he knew he shouldn't challenge it because no replay showed where the ball actually ended up. And if you can't see where the ball ends up, then they're not going to change the call. I just want to see Vrabel be a little bit more maverick in his challenging. He is very reticent. He's very gun shy. He didn't do it against Indy twice that I think he could have done it. And he certainly didn't do it here. And he didn't do it against Buffalo. And I think that the Indy decision might have cost him the game. This one could have, but they ended up holding because the defense had a goal line stand, stopped Eckler, stopped Gordon. Eckler almost scored. Gordon almost scored. And then they forced the fumble. And also, before we finish this thing up today, Jeffrey Simmons. Jeffrey Simmons comes back from ACL surgery that happened in pre draft workouts comes back super quickly. I didn't think we'd see him until around Thanksgiving if we saw him at all. I certainly didn't expect the holiday before, Halloween. Two weeks before Halloween, we'd see him on the field. And not just see him. It's not like he was just out there for snaps. He had four tackles. He had a sack. He had two tackles for loss. I mean, he looked the part, man. He looked, and we knew this. If he was healthy, and if the character concerns were in the rear view, if we bought into everything that was being said out of Mississippi State, everybody in the Titans organization, and if we bought into how genuine it seemed like Jeffrey Simmons was and what he said about Amy Adams Strunk in the organization taking a chance on him, he knew he made a mistake, blah, 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 all this. If he could get past that and stay healthy, this dude was a top 10 talent in this draft. And in his rookie debut, he's right there on the stat sheet with a sack in this football game. And he's pushing guys around, knocking them two yards off the ball. He was part of that play that led to that fumble that won the game for the Titans at the end. This is real positive news if you're a Titans fan. This is good stuff, man. This defense that was already really good, I mean, they gave up 20 points, which is something they haven't done much this year. But that 20 was earned, like really earned. Tennessee's defense did play pretty well. They There was a little bit too much cushion on the receivers, but I think that's also to the talent of Keenan Allen and Williams and those guys down the field. And Hunter Henry's just a load, and he's hard to deal with. But when you see Simmons out there making plays like this in his first game, I mean, how much better can he get? He can't be a 100% right now, but he's got good footwork. He's got good speed. He's got good power. He's got energy and enthusiasm. I mean, he's a fiery kind of player on the field. He's He's going to be a problem for the rest of this division and the rest of this league to deal with if this is what you're seeing in game one and nowhere near the ceiling and not even at 100%. So this is a big win for the Titans. I predicted they would get it, but it's not like I felt like this was a foregone conclusion. And now things stack up pretty well for you if you're Tennessee because at least you've got a lot of home games. Three of your next four are at home. Versus Tampa Bay, you got to win that game. At Carolina, that's going to be tough. But you can win that game. Versus Kansas City, the question is, is Mahomes playing in that game? But at least you get them at home. And then you get the Jags coming into town. And we'll see where Minshew is then. Minshew right now is just kind of a middle-of-the-road quarterback. And the Jags aren't unbeatable. We know that. They got Tennessee earlier, so you've got to win that one. But if you can take three in these next four, or even go two and two, then you're five and six. That's not the end of the world, but you really need to find a way to go 3 and 1 here. I think 5 and 6 is not going to be good enough to get you a wild card and get you in the playoffs. You need to be 6 and 5 after this next month before you go to Indianapolis on December the 1st in a game where you have to find a way to finally beat the Indianapolis Colts. The schedule's not easy down the stretch, but getting 3 or 4 at home now and I guess 4 or 5 if you include yesterday, got to take advantage of that, man. You have got to milk that for all it is worth. And if you somehow are fortunate enough, you don't want to, you don't want to root for Patrick Mahomes' injury or even a setback. But if that's what you get, then you have to take advantage of your fortune. And you've got to find a way to, to slow down Matt Moore and get that win. The Chiefs can beat you, even without Pat Mahomes, because Matt Moore is a very capable backup And then, of course, there's a quarterback situation. And what we saw from Tannehill yesterday, he got the ball out of his hands a little bit faster. He was accurate. He had pace on his balls. He played confident football, and he played poised football. He played like somebody who felt like he could go in and win the game or not lose the game. The biggest thing that Marcus Mariota did that made this change feel necessary, and it was the right decision to make whether or not Mariota ends up as a starter by week 10 again or not, is that Mariota just looked like he had lost all his confidence. He didn't look like he felt like he should be out there by the way he was playing. It's not that he wasn't given full effort, but if you don't have confidence, it doesn't really matter how much effort you're putting in. So putting him on the sidelines is either going to inspire him or we're going to find out that Tannehill's a better option for this season and then the team needs to address a quarterback long-term. But if Tannehill's going to give you what he gave you yesterday, you can continue to be in play for a wild-card spot. I don't think you're going to get to the Colts and or the Texans. I just don't. I don't think this team is quite good enough for that. But I did like that Tannehill found more guys that he didn't marry himself to one receiver, and I love what I'm seeing from A.J. Brown and and Jeffrey Simmons. Two first-round picks that are really paying off. I love what I'm seeing from Rashawn Evans out there in that linebacker spot, we already know what Bayard can do. Logan Ryan played well early in the game, uh, made a couple of big plays, two or three times his number was called in the first quarter alone. Adoree Jackson, I'm sort of out on, not just as a returner. I just don't think he is – I don't think he's a starting cornerback that you're going to be able to rely on for very much longer. Uh, but maybe he can, maybe he can prove me wrong on that and you know what you've got up front, but you add Simmons to that, I would love to hear what Jarrell Casey was thinking watching Simmons out there, maybe even practicing with him, but certainly watching him out there yesterday. If if Simmons is going to be this, it's going to be nasty in terms of what this Tennessee Titans team can do up front. And finally, you've got somebody else that might scare an opposing quarterback, and that's good news as well. So the Titans win, the Vols do not, and the Garantano thing is just – it's an unmitigated disaster. That play was a laughably awful situation and probably signals that Garantano had, has... has. I don't know if he's seen this last action or not. If I were Tennessee, I think I might just go ahead and let that one go. Get Shroud out there if you have to. Get Maurer out there. I mean, Garantano is not going to be there long term. I don't know if this was him checking out for good or not, but I can't imagine what happened between him and Pruitt went particularly well for Garantano's psyche that felt like a all right you've done this for the last time we can't even trust you we're not even letting you throw the football uh, it's probably time to put you on the bench but the South Carolina game will determine whether or not they make a bowl I think because if they win it the momentum can carry them against lesser opposition to some wins unless they somehow find a way to Georgia State this thing all right that ladies and gentlemen is a quick six this monday october the 21st 2019 stream of consciousness uh breaking for a coffee every once in a while here just sort of all over the place not feeling 100 percent, but hopefully you dug this anyway again 1045 zone.com slash big six blog i'll be writing on Watchmen every week pop six coming up this week with brad willis as we dive deep into back to the future happy back to the future day by the way, tomorrow we're going to we're gonna record that thing and probably have it out for you tomorrow night. Big Six Wednesday and Friday. I'll be in with Clay Travis on Outkick the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio for three hours a day tomorrow and Wednesday, hosting it with Jeff Schwartz on Thursday, and, of course, the Tennessee Tailgate Show with Joey Kent as we preview the South Carolina matchup. That'll be on Saturday and Square Circle Radio on Sunday in addition to the Jason Martin Show. That's a lot. I know it is. Hope you enjoyed the quick six. Remember to rate us, review us wherever you get your podcasts, let people know, tweet it out. It matters. It really does. Cause there's, there's so much content out there. If you dig what I'm doing, any, anybody you tell it to is worth its weight in gold. It's priceless. And so is just your attention and your support of, of anything. If you give me one second, even if you don't like it, I appreciate that one second. I really do. And If you think I can do better, if you want to see me cover things in a different way, your suggestions are only going to make me better. So tweet me at jmartzone. Appreciate you guys. Until next week on the Quick 6, clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose. God bless. And good morning, afternoon, or good night from Nashville.